um, mudras really help you to show you how your hands are truly incredible. And they're so useful, and they're at the end of our arms, and they're such a huge part of our practice. So I thought that we could start off a grounding exercise to work with the mudra, which is energetic seals, to start to um, really have a good conversation about hands. Yeah? Uh, what we're going to do today is a mudra called the um, jnana mudra, where you touch the thumb and index finger together. And when you touch the thumb and index finger together, the agni, the fire, is in your thumbs. And the um, air, or the varun, is in the index finger. So you're sparking the um, divine light within anytime you touch your thumb to different elements in your hands which are represented and um, we'll discuss deeper into our practice. But I thought we could all ground down just doing the Jnana Mudra. And when you touch the thumb and index finger together, begin to take and place your hands onto your legs, coming into a comfortable cross-legged position. Feel the middle finger, the ring finger, and the pinky finger extending out away from you. And then begin to feel the rhythm of your heart as you close your eyes and the tips of your fingers. As we inhale and as we exhale, our body is an incredible human machine powered by the breath. And hand mudras are a wonderful way to really allow ourselves to create a gesture or a miskotok position to trigger certain healing processes within the corresponding body parts. But we need to literally feel the energy or the pulse in the tips of the fingers. Relax your eyebrows, relax your tongue, and begin to feel the amrita, the sweet nectar, as you create space in your heart. Feel the breath as it rolls down your shoulders into the fingers. And as you have this incredible jnana mudra, begin to feel, again, the pulse. Find the inhales and the exhales as you trigger healing, as you trigger peace. When you touch the tip of the thumb to the tip of the index finger, with the other three fingers stretch out, it's a mudra to enhance knowledge. Feel yourself with this deep, conscious, active breath opening up into awareness. Feel your brain becoming sharpened. Not to a point, but just enhancing your concentration. Feel any negativity begin to roll off your body through the wood floors, and down into the ground. And allow for the next couple deep breaths your body to feel wholeness, to feel ease, and to feel compassion. Inhale and exhale. as we ground down for our practice together through this mudra for concentration.
bless you. Then begin to softly start to, with your eyes still closed, bring your hands in front of your heart. And as your hands are in front of your heart and you hold the preciousness of your heart in your hands, be the observer of the breath. Begin to feel the space between your palms as the tips of the fingers and the pads of your hands are just holding your heart, that beautiful radiance. Feel that warm glow permeate not just your palms, but every part of your being. And with your next exhale and your eyes still closed, begin to take this wonderful energy that you've created with your hands and rub your palms together. Feel the warmth as you do this practice of palming and rub and rub and rub and rub and rub your palms together. And if anything's still clinging to you or obstructing you or not allowing you to focus and concentrate, this moment, this morning, begin to take the warmth of your hands and release them as you open your palms to face upward out in front of you. Whatever is stuck, still grasping you, throw it over your shoulder like water. You're going to just dump that water up and over the shoulder, moving your hands upward to the sky and then over the shoulders letting things be behind you so that you can be in the present, the here and now. Feel that tingly sensation, the energy, the healing in your hands as you take now your hands to your eyes. Your eyes are still closed, but you feel the warmth of your heart and that beautiful golden glow. And now begin to open your eyes as your hands release from them. And you can see and feel a whole new awareness and a whole new perspective for your day. I don't know about all of you, but I needed that. <laughs> that felt really good. Awesome. On the first page of your handout, it's titled, um, Can You Bend Your Thumbs to Touch Your Wrist? Can anybody do that? Some people are super hypomobile and very um, uh, able to do all kinds of really interesting things. But I really think our hands are magical. And one of the books, I didn't put a book list on there, but there are some really good Reiki healing books and um, there's some really good books about how our hands are healers. And one of them is by a woman named Barbara Brennan, Hands of Light. Hands are incredibly useful things. Um, we stroke and pat people that we care about. We use them to defend ourselves. We can play musical instruments with them. They're so useful and they form the foundation of our postures. They're really, really interesting because when we use our hands, our fingers, our thumbs, 
our hands are so different because they're not paws and they um, allow our, our bodies to work in a really amazing way. And as yogis, we learn that our hands are our feet and our feet are our hands. So when we practice, this foundation for the poses is really huge. Because a lot of people, like when we all checked in, have an injury or have arthritis or have wrist issues. But a lot of times they're created because we're not properly aligned. And our entire job as a yoga teacher is to pour an oxygen cocktail, right? To teach people how to breathe to, so that they can ground down into their awareness, but also is to structurally come into alignment because on a deeper level, a subconscious level, a psychological level, when we ground down in awareness, we stand in our truth. We're better people. We practice the first principle, the first precept of yoga, which is ahimsa, right? So in thought, speech, and action, we can truly be amazing human beings, right? So that um, when we practice and we don't have a strong foundation and we don't have that optimal alignment, our wrists get really messed up. Has anybody um, ever had a wrist depu issue? Mm -hmm. I definitely have, right? Over the years, if you're not focused, if you're not breathing, if your bandhas aren't engaged, all of a sudden something happens and that repetitive injury creates stress. How many of you work on a computer? Right? <laughs> I mean, like, no one can say that I don't work on a computer, I don't have a, like a technology or some way to interact with others. When we're using our digits so much, all of a sudden people create carpal tunnel, we have all of these issues. So people really misalign. And today we're going to talk about placement, as the bullet point states right there. Placement and how we need to teach hand awareness so that we don't have a lot of issues. When our wrists get injured, we then in turn start, it's like a domino effect, right? It starts going into our shoulder, it starts in turn affecting our hips, in turn it starts affecting how we stand, and then we're not aligned, and we get a pinch in our low back, and then we're like, yoga's stupid, and we start just doing other things, or we try to find ways to heal ourselves with the practice. And that balance, that tipping scale is really interesting. You'll notice students, when they get an injury, um, a lot of times we want them to break down, to break through, to break old scar tissue, but a lot of times when people have an issue, that's when they walk and they leave. They don't work through the tough, challenging things in order to get present with their practice and with their breath. Um, so there's a myriad of benefits and excellent poses to build awareness on the muscles that support and stabilize our shoulders and our hands. One of the things that I have for issues or challenges to watch out for is when we have too much weight in the wrist and you get that pain and discomfort, one of the things you can tell a student to do is to use a dumbbell. Very similar to our Chaturanga tech, if anybody came to that. Um, you can use triangular blocks. If you've ever seen them, they're like long triangular blocks. I try not to get students to get too into a lot of props. You can also take the front of your mat and roll it over, right? So it gives a little bit of a ledge. Um, you can also do, um, have them do forearm plank, dolphin plank, or puppy dog, right? So that they're more on their, not on their hands until their hands start to heal. Um, but one thing I really like is something called cat's claws. So
So you can do this with um, like um, organic broccoli and some of those blue bands that come around fresh produce. You take it between the front digits, um, the ones closer to the um, nail beds of the um, fingers, and it doesn't work with a hair binder because it's not strong enough, but it's a mountain climbing technique and you just separate your fingers and release. Separate your fingers and release back. So you make a little <coughs> cat toss, God bless you. What happens is a stress ball's different. It's working different muscle groups, but when you do cat claws, it works a muscle that's up in your upper arm that we don't always have strength with. So one of your questions for homework, but maybe we'll start off with that because we're gonna move into the bones and the muscles and stuff soon, is um, what is the what are the bones that attach to the hands in your arm, forearm? Radius and the ulna. Yep, very good. So the radius always goes towards the thumb side, inside, and the ulna is on the out. When we teach people how to do these little tricks to heal themselves, then we can bring them back to the optimal alignment. We're really working to help, as a teacher, teach a student how to support their body weight. Um, because we are not animals, right? Or I mean, we are animals. But we're not animals in the sense of we don't walk on all fours like other animals do. And we spend so much time walking around on our feet we don't bear a lot of weight in our hands. So all of a sudden, especially if we didn't grow up in a third world country, we come to um, a vinyasa practice or a hatha yoga practice where we're spending a lot of time on our wrists. And all of a sudden, we all that weight bearing and we're not used to that gravitational force, that's where we get the injury. But if we use them like we are an animal, then all of a sudden, um, you won't have the challenges that you've had in, in the past. Does that make sense? Uh, flexibility in our hands um, and the 29 joints cause them to be vulnerable. And we want to, as teachers, really allow people to realize we should walk on all fours. Because the center of our practice is that magic word that we say all the time, which is... <sighs> breath, right? That's really the center of our practice. So if we can teach as teachers how to find the breath and the bandhas and that internal fire, the agni, right? Then all of a sudden, we don't have to worry about anything. Um, when we go into alignment today, we're gonna talk about this delicate and complex structure. So let's go to some of the pretty pictures that I have here um, on page two where it says bones and muscles. The hand is so delicate and complex, and the muscles and joints in the hands have a great range of motion and precision. The different forces are also distributed in the hand, um, and we wanna make sure that they're done in the best possible way. But the tendons, nerve fiber, blood vessels, and all of these thin bones are positioned um, right under the skin, so they're not protected by the the muscles and the fat that a lot of other things are, right? Our hands and our feet aren't protected the same way that like our torso is, yeah? Not protected the same way as our upper arms, our biceps and triceps are supporting that longer uh, bone, the humerus bone. 
So uh, we want to really make sure that the pads of the hands and the tendons offer us a powerful grip so that we can survive the day and the wear and tear. And um, something really interesting too that goes along the yoga platform before we go into the muscle groups is that the right and left hand are controlled by the opposite hemisphere of the brain, right? Correct, I mean? So this bilateral sensory integration is really what we're teaching as we're teaching people how to support themselves on their hands with this optimal alignment. Uh, when we go into the bones, it says on page two, the human hand is a complex structure made up of a total of 27 individual bones, eight carpal bones, five metacarpal bones, and 14 finger bones, which are phalanges. Which, um, they are connected by joints and ligaments, and about one-fourth of all our body's bones are found in our hands. The bones of the hand provide support and flexibility to the soft tissues, and they can divide it into three categories by joint function. So when you're teaching, obviously you're not gonna say the carpus and the metacarpus and the fingers, but it's good to know all of this stuff, right? Because the whole world is in our hands. Our whole body and body functions according to reflexology, acupuncture, all of that really cool, different, more Eastern modalities believe that our hands and our feet have like every single system, right? Which is pretty fascinating. So that if I was going to like say have something going on in my um, descending colon, then I'm gonna take and I'm gonna rub towards the outside of the palm to help to release those nerves and those challenges, right? So as yogis, we get to tap into all kinds of other different modalities, yeah? And here, we're just looking at the bones. When we go into the bones of the um, carpal bones, where are they in the hands? Closer towards the wrist, right? And then where are the metacarpals? The in the palm of the hands, and how many of them are there? It's on your sheet, yep, five, right, yeah. This is, this is my way of like, this is how we can memorize things if we say it out loud, so, yeah. And then we have um, fingers, which are called what? Okay, and they're the most distal, the most kind of like uh, further away from the wrist. The bones of the fingers, each finger has three phalanges except for the thumb, which has two. And the fingers are, um, some people, when they checked in, they said, oh, um, mine are long. Some people's fingers are really long. Some people's fingers are really short, right? Some people's fingers, like, how many people can make, when they do the thumb, that they, like, kind of go back a little bit? So then there's palmistry, right? And if your thumb goes up straight like that, it means that you're really inflexible in your mind. Yeah? Right? So I work my whole entire life to stop that. <laughs> then, which is good, because now, now I'm the other extreme. 
But then those people who have like a really flexible thumb in palmistry, that means that you're like um, really flexible and like really need to work maybe on grounding. So then all of a sudden as a yoga teacher, you can look into like a palmistry or a, a book and you can learn all kinds of stuff. But remember that joke when you were a kid when they said you're gonna have a pool and someone spit in your hands? <laughs> no, don't do that, that policy. <laughs> to your yoga students, they'll be thoroughly disgusted. But you can see a lot in your hands. Your hands are the whole world. Um, one thing that I find really interesting before we get into the muscles is that Qigong is another discipline for Eastern philosophy. There's Qigong movements for your hands that you can do for just two minutes, say if you're feeling like a headache, right? So if you have a headache and you don't feel very good, you can either tap your hands like this, make your hands into a fist, and you can either tap the phalanges, right, to, the, um, to each other, and this is supposed to get rid of a headache, but you have to do it like two to three, four, five minutes. You can also, instead of tap, you can rub them. If someone had a video of this, they'd be like, oh, they're like doing those little kid hand games where you're doing the hand drive. <laughs> and, but that's what I find really fascinating about our hands is that, sure, there's like the basis of um, the, the Western science, you know, we're made up of bones, nerves, tissues, and muscles, and all that good stuff. But then when you get into the energy and the mudra practices, all of a sudden, your hands can really heal you. So if our hands are injured, or we're yoga teachers and our students aren't using their hands, or they aren't really expressing from their heart because their hands are an expression of their heart, because that heart line goes all the way, then we really know that we have to pull back and retrain our students how to use their hands properly so that they can really become whole and integrated. Okay, how many bones this is, are in your thumb? This is your test. Two. Sweet, you passed. Okay, <laughs> then you have muscles that are in the hand and the forearm that are connected by the wrist. And they're made up of a functional unit. And there are over 30 muscles here working together in a highly complex way. That's freaking cool, I think. So if our muscles are working together, it allows us to be skillful, whether it's sign language, um, in crafts and arts, whether it's writing. You know how some people, if they get like a disease, right, say they can't control their muscles, because their neurological pathways aren't working. So our bodies are really cool. And I'm gonna, instead of talking about like the 30 muscles, what I gave you on page three is the idea of how to grasp and move objects. It starts off with the hand is attached to the arm by the wrist. The wrist is made up of two parts working together as one functional unit. It allows us to flex or extend, right? And the hand can also be tilted in directions of the little finger or the thumb. So our hand moves in about four different ways. So if we were in cat cow, and you wanted a student to prep for an inversion pose, 
or get prepared to do something a little bit different where you're putting a lot of pressure on your hands, all you have to do is instead of flexing, you can extend the hand and flip the palm over and have them stretch out their muscles, right? So as you're seated here, let's try that. Your palms are facing forward like you're in cat-cow and begin to feel your fingers pointing forward, palms pressed down, okay? So now you can do this because you don't have a lot of weight in your hands. Try to start to rotate. And you can do this in a high plank pose for your students to help them to really understand the structure of your hand. Let's take and bring our thumbs forward and our fingers to point out. Feel the difference in your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments. Right? And there's a pose, peacock pose, where your hands start going in this direction. You're going to take your fingers towards your body and the thumbs going out. And all of a sudden you're preparing for peacock pose where you elevate your feet up off the ground and your head floats and all of your weight is resting pretty much in your hands and your breath. Good. Now take and bring the thumbs back forward, the fingers back forward, and we are going to take and flip our hands. So flip, palm to face up. Woo. How many of you are having a challenge straightening your elbows? Yeah. How many of you are having a challenge keeping the entire hand on the ground as your palms are facing in the opposite direction? Right? So then we know that overuse over time, our body isn't per se injured, but our body needs to create more space in the areas that are too tight and, and haven't been used. Because when we don't use anything, you know, we have to kind of get it to re-engage. And then we'll just rotate our wrists, rotate in one direction and then the other. So like say in chair yoga practices, hand movements, hand things are really good. Some of you when you checked in said you have arthritis. Right? Those movements that we did don't have to be pressing your palms to the ground. You can straighten your right arm, bring your fingertips back towards you as your left hand pulls the fingers, palm facing forward. And then you do the exact opposite. Face the fingers up on the right hand, bring the left hand and pull, palm facing towards you. But if your elbow starts to bend, that means that you're using improper muscle groups. Because actually the stretch should be coming from your breath, from your center. Interesting, huh? Right? You can get rid of or help with arthritis. And I'm going to show you a really interesting way that Indian yogis count on their hands for meditation and breathing exercises. But you can get rid of sometimes arthritis just by practicing. Take your right hand, touch your thumb to your index finger. Good. Reach the index finger up and take the middle finger to the thumb. Good, reach the middle finger up and take the index finger, uh, ring finger to the thumb. And then bring it up and then take your pinky. Now, how many of you are having a hard time keeping the other fingers straight as we did that? Right? Yeah? yeah? That's the beginning of your friend Arthur. <laughs> we call him arthritis. Yeah? So we really want to start to do that. And it's almost like when you do the wave, when your fingers... But what happens is when you do the wave with your fingers, you're working just one direction or the other. But can you just take the middle finger to your palm? 
without the other fingers starting to <laughs> act with it. It's hard. The only one who probably could do it without having the rest of the fingers move is our youngin. Yeah. It's amazing. Because our bodies are an incredible human machine, we really have to protect it so that we um, stay strong and supple and powerful and centered. Yeah? Yeah. You're going to yoga land. You're just going to be stuck there forever. Yeah. No, uh-uh, no. Um, one of the things that we're working on, and this gets into our last two pages that we talk about, but every time that I talk to you guys about practice, I always reiterate this. If everything is yoga, right, and we're finding wholeness, Everything that we do, we're drawing to the midline. We're finding containment. We're finding that engagement, that inner awareness from the breath. So it's all ba balanced on the ha and the ta, right? And hata means forceful. So if we're working to find center, we have to use the breath to find the balance between our shtira sukha. So what's shtira? Strength, right? What's sukha? flexibility, right? So we have to find that balance. So this is a great question. Between our steadiness and our ease. We have to find the balance between being a um, too hard piece of pasta that hasn't been cooked yet to the limp noodle that just is kind of gross and mushy and bleh, right? And you don't want to eat it because it's just overcooked. So we want to find that steady and balanced state and equilibrium. So if there's nothing wrong with hypermobility, and there's nothing wrong with being too tight. We're finding the middle path. So we can all bliss out and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> and have a hippie party. A big old dance party. So when we go into, um, did that answer your question? When we go into our hands, uh, the two main sets of muscles and tendons that we're working with are your flexor muscles that bend the fingers and thumb and the extensors that straighten them out. Flexors are fastened to the underside of the forearm and your extensions are connected to the top of the forearm. So where are your flexors fastened to? The underside. Where are your extenders? Top. And when you close and open your fingers, you can kind of see how they work together, just like ha and ta and shtira sukha, and how everything really is trying to find that balance. Uh, one thing that I just want to kind of um, communicate too, that's on your sheet, is we use muscles to grasp and move objects. And the hand has two different ways of gripping things, the power grip and the precision grip. And the power grip is used for carrying heavy bags or holding on to handles. And the precision grip is important for delicately handling and moving an object. So like writing, which humans can write. I've seen elephants paint and monkeys paint and be able to do sign language. But like, this is what is really cool about our hand is that when we use the precision grip, our thumb and index finger work like forceps. So we can grasp onto things. No? Yeah? It's like our feet. 
When we get into blood supply and nerves, the hand is supplied with blood through two main arteries, and uh, one on the same side of the thumb and the other on the little finger, and these two arteries curve where the palm is so that the hand is supplied with oxygen-rich blood through a double loop. That's kind of cool. These loops have branches leading off into individual fingers, and each artery is accompanied by veins and nerves. In total, each finger is supplied by four bundles of nerves and blood vessels. What I think also is really interesting as a yogi is that our hand has sense and when we can touch things and feel things and really um, perceive things just through our hands which draws back to the energetic things like qigong and reflexology and all of those therapeutic things that um, you can kind of use to, uh, for energetic healing, like Reiki, right? Um, and when we have this sense of touch, our hand must deal with all kinds of challenges every day. The fingers on one hand will be flexed and extended about 25 million times over the course of a lifetime. And the hand also has very sensitive antenna by receiving stimuli from the environment. There are a total of 17,000 touch receptors and free nerve endings in the palm for passing on sensations of pressure, movement, and vibration. So it is with good reason that the sense of touch is associated so strongly with the hand. The skin in your fingertips is especially sensitive to touch. Um, because our human hands um, don't help us just with tasks, and they help us to communicate with others, you can actually use um, your hands to heal. And when we were doing that exercise together to check in, and we did the palming. How many of you felt a sensation in your hands? Right? It's cool, isn't it? And what's interesting about this is you, yogi, I almost call them yogis because I was like you, <laughs> but yogis call this, this is how we kind of ta start talking about the koshas, the different layers, that we're not just a physical body, but we're deeper. Right? And we have five different layers or koshas that we're trying to get into so that we can tap into the bliss body. If you feel that you sense something and have some power within your hands, then I would definitely keep tuning into that attribute. As a yogi, those of you who studied the sutras with me know that after we get into the third sutra, we start really becoming supers or siddhas. And we start having more interesting things that we have the ability to have not just five senses, right, but the sixth sense. And a lot of times that comes from all of these really cool, I'm trying to see how many there were in there, all of this antenna of our hands and all of the um, 17,000 touch receptors, which is amazing. So all of a sudden we're like, yeah, I'm in a yoga hand tech today, but really it's not that about that at all. There's so much more that happens in the alchemy and the practice of yoga. I bet Hello Kitty has more sense receptors. Yes. <laughs> so that um, when we're focusing on the physical, we also have to remember that we're heightening our awareness and our energetic faculties. 
And within that sense of touch, all of you have studied with me before we've done the good feeling, the good handshake, the bad handshake, and then the in-between handshake. So that's another thing that we have to think about with the sense of touch, not only that Barbara Brennan book of Hands of Healing, but how you touch your students, right? Because you can do the creepy touch. <laughs> you can do the, oh my god, I really want to show you this, too over-intense touch where you're scaring the shit out of someone and we have to worry about trauma-sensitive individuals. Or you find that middle path, like Goldilocks, that, like, that, mm, that really perfect bowl of oatmeal. Right? And that's a hard, interesting, weird thing to feel because each person, if each person as a student has a different experience, they're going to have different sensory perceptions. They're going to have different koshas and layers. And as we go within and do this hand adjustment as teachers, which we really want to work towards and create a connection with our student that way, if we do that and it's, it is really jarring, you can take them off the mat and back into their world and not go into their practice where they're doing all the hard work and the healing energetically through their central nervous system. My little note to remember, remember that um, you have to, at this, um, even though you're on your hands a lot in yoga, you're still doing Tadasana so that we're finding that smooth shift into the inner state of equilibrium and peace through the power and stillness that the breath offers you. Uh, when we keep an even distribution of weight, one reason a lot of people get injuries in their hands is because they aren't breathing properly, so they're dumping into their palms. So the easiest way to create ease is to find high plank with your knees to the ground. So that you're not, obviously, your hands are underneath your shoulders. And we're going to do some structural stuff in a second. I just want to get through these sheets. Uh, but that even distribution of weight, one of the reasons or biggest things that I was just talking about is that they're not equally aligned. So they're dumping into their hands, and they're not working with their breath. Just have your student in high plank put their knees down to the ground. You want to make sure, too, that when you're working with all of these practices, that you are focusing um, on modifications on up. So if someone has an injury with their palms, right, or their hands, and they say, I can't do yoga because I have an injury, we just learned three different things you can do to help them so that they're not dumping into their wrists in the precursor of our beginning of our conversation. What's one of them? A dumbbell, right? Forearms. Forearms. Or, yep, that triangle block. Awesome. Uh, so that if someone is having a hand thing, there's always a modification. There's always a way to get someone on the mat to create space in their body and their mind. And then the physical benefits is that when you're working a lot of stuff with your hands, um, it gives you center, right, because you're teaching your hands are your feet and your feet are your hands. But it also allows you, and this is page four, it also allows you to create um, challenge for your, mus your uh, musculoskeletal system, right? 
because if you're not used to putting weight in your hands, because we don't walk on all fours anymore, then you're actually learning how to teach people how to support themselves. And that muscle memory that you create makes someone not just physically strong, but emotionally strong. Because our students are coming to the mat for a workout, but we're getting a work in. We're getting uh, something deeper, something more magical. And when we do this, we're learning about ourselves. Another thing I want to really stress as a teacher, you're doing quality and not quantity. So Ashtanga yogis do a crap ton of vinyasas, right? And that's my lineage, so like I'm used to it because I was conditioned to it. But you're not going to have someone who just came into a class and have them all of a sudden do like a hundred vinyasas, right? Yeah. So you're always going to start with the modifications on up and keep it really simple so that within a vinyasa practice, but it's for beginners, you might only have a couple of like down dogs and do maybe more standing and more seated things and less vinyasa flows. You really have to think of as a teacher, who is your audience and how can I make everything accessible? so that it's quality and not quantity. Um, one thing that's really fun is that when you get used to being on your hands, is that it prepares you for arm balances. And these I always think are just kind of stupid human tricks. It's not really gonna make you a better yogi. It might make you have more followers on social media, but it's not gonna make you be a better human, right? And as yoga teachers, our ultimate goal is to really help people to find their sure footing and be present in their awareness so they can live from their true, true nature. Uh, so we talked about all the issues and challenges to walk out, watch out for. And then we talked a little bit about all of these um, energy and mudra practices that are on page four. Uh, you can look them up on your own time as little homework things. Mudra, Qigong, palming, passing energy and Reiki healing, palm reading. Um, we can try something for um, energy points in your hands from this beautiful picture that I have here and you're welcome to after class if you want to copy it for yourself. But um, we can try the um, relaxation tip in your hand. So put your thumb into the palm of the other hand and rotate it to the point at the base of the index finger. So that area represents your emotional center and it's an extremely relaxing thing to do. So if you have the fidgets, the widgets, or your brain is in worry or anxiety, all you have to do is like just kind of rub this area. And you can either press into it or support it and hold it. But I find that really interesting that because we start tapping into something deeper and our sixth sense um, through the powers that we get from yoga, then we can just do really subtle, simple things to help individuals to calm down. Especially say you're teaching a chair yoga class and you're not going to be doing a lot like of down dogs or cat cows or things that are going to be weight bearing, then you can start adding other disciplines and modalities from, um, from
from the whole world of uh, moving meditation to your practice? Cool. Uh, you can also remember that what we're doing is yoga therapeutic so that um, our hands can uh, help prevent injury by doing the chair yoga wrist stretches. There's tons of them. Uh, you can massage your forearm and this is interesting. Remember just today when we were doing the uh, have your palm forward and just touch your one finger at a time to the center of your hand. Well, one way to really stretch out your arms, especially if you're like a yogi who does a lot of like um, uh, more advanced practice poses, you know, some of those stupid human tricks, uh, you can take and come into cat-cow, bring one of your hands on the ground so that your forearm's on the ground, bring your opposite leg up and you can massage your forearm muscles, which in turn help to stretch out the tension in your hands. Yes, it's a very pretty picture. <laughs> it feels really weird. The elastic band trick I taught you for cat claw, uh, cat's claws works really well. And then homework questions to think about. Your yama is the fifth limb of your practice. Uh, sorry, the yama are the first principle or, um, the, of the eight limb path, right? The yamas and the niyamas. But what is the fifth yama? A parigraha, right? So the question here is what are you holding on to? What can you let go of? So if you all journal or have that, some homework questions for you to kind of take home. Human hands are not only to do tasks that we need to do, but they help us to communicate with others. What's the way that you use your hands to communicate? Which ties into question number three. Hands are the expression of your heart. How do you use them in daily life? Do you know how Indians count on their fingers during breathing and meditation exercises? Something like that, yep. So I also brought in a little bit of an um, interesting uh, exercise here. So a lot of times people count on their hands. You're close. Yeah. Counting on the fingers is an ancient Indian ritual used by, for breathing exercises and meditation. And one does so by placing the thumb in various positions each time we breathe in. So move the thumb around. And all you're doing is moving the thumb in a circular motion on the hand. So take your right hand forward, just so we're all on the same hand, <laughs> and begin to take, and it's for 12 complete breaths, you move the thumb around the knuckles in a circular motion. So when accessing this method to calm down, it allows you to be centered, but it's a great way, too, if you're working with students and you need to remember like um, where you are teaching meditation, how to count. So take the thumb, to the base of the index finger, and that's one. And then the next digit is two. The tip of the finger is three. Four is your middle finger, the top of the middle finger. Five is the top of the ring finger. Six is the top of the pinky finger. And then you start going down. Seven is the middle. 
of the ring finger. Eight is the uh, uh, base of the pinky finger. And then you go to the uh, ring finger. I'm forgetting fingers. <laughs> and that's nine. And then you go to the center of the middle finger and that's 10. And then you start going up 11 and 12 to the ring finger in the middle. So basically you're going up, around, and in a circle. Up, around, and in a circle. And ironically, that is one of the symbols in Reiki. Fascinating. Right? It's all interconnected. It's all the same stuff. We're trying to create your wholeness. Con containment. Universal self. Live wholeheartedly. Find that one. It's a very interesting thing. You guys, girls, people should practice and see about it. Remember, as teachers, the most powerful thing is your voice. And you're giving space for students so they can work with their particular skeleton and their particular body. What I would like to talk about now is some of the things that we need to do to really stabilize ourselves in the practice, okay? So you don't need to be on your mat. This isn't anything that needs to be intense. But we want to find that when we press our palms down to the ground, that we have just space to look at our hands. As we've been discussing, our hands are very delicate and complex, and when the different forces are distributed, we want to make sure that they're done in the best possible way so your student can find optimal alignment. Everybody take and keep one hand forward and make the other one wacky. Would this be a good way to have your students use their hands? No. Okay. One of the best ways to think about your hands is that the middle fingers always point forward. Unless you're going to inversion practices, a lot of inversion junkies like to take and have the index finger forward. Okay? But usually, and especially with beginning students, the middle finger points forward. Okay? And then, because your hands are your feet and your feet are your hands, you want a wide base. So you want to kind of think of your fingers spreading out wide. A lot of times you'll see students who keep their fingers really close together. But we want to have our fingers extremely wide so that we are really um, protecting and using the muscles versus um, just kind of like having them down there because the teacher said to put the hands down. Then you want to start thinking about like um, who likes to go to the beach, right? So it's almost as if you're sticking the tips of the fingers in the sand. And then the pads of your hands are down, but there's a little suction cup underneath your hand. And this is a weird sensation to say to a student that there's a suction cup or space under your hands because when people press down, they're usually going like and forcing. So can you just play along with me, but be like a frog and go like you're stuck to something. <coughs> Very good. So that you have that resiliency. We're looking for resiliency as we find 
these amazing things at the end of our arms. And okay, now look at your knuckles. Are your knuckles bent or are your knuckles straight? You can tell if a student isn't practicing yoga and they're just forcing through it if their thumb knuckle is bent. And it's amazing because the triads of your hands, the thumb and index finger, form a little bit of a V. They're taking a lot of the weight because the vortexes spiral inward. So the vortexes of energy are spiraling inward, which means that the thumb is kind of holding it. The, the, up, the forearm is spinning outward. The upper arm muscle is spinning inward, but the shoulder is spinning outward. So it's like these beautiful loops of energy. If the thumb and index finger are down, you should be able to find some lightness in your pinkies, even though they're still active. So we're calling it like dynamic opposition. We're creating space without being too forceful or too like rigid, right? We're finding that middle path. It's extremely hard. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to make sure we have proper alignment so we don't misalign. The thumb and index finger are creating the triads. The middle finger is pointing forward. The hands have some space underneath them. And instead of pushing down, we're pulling up. So we're pulling into our hands. So now just sitting where you are, um, sit on your heels or sit crisscross into um, Sukhasana so you're comfortable, or sit on a block, whatever feels good. Place your palms forward like you're on the mat. Reach your hands forward and hollow out the shoulders. Does that feel good? No. Most people are kind of doing that. Their shoulders are eating their ears and you're pushing too far forward. Now, spread out the shoulders and reach the hands forward. So you have that dynamic opposition. You're pushing, but you're pulling. The shoulders are back. There's not a valley in your back, but you should almost be feeling like you're hugging your favorite person. Where do you feel this dynamic action from? Right, your center, your breath. And that's where the practice is coming from. Uh, relax your arms for a second. Um, a lot of you have experienced this with me, but when we hold our arms up overhead and we have our friends support the arms and we push out and they push in, that's kind of the sensation that we have with our shoulders are reaching out so that they help our hands. So let's just try that with a partner really fast. Um, find the person next to you two and 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 two. One person keeps staying down. And reach your hands forward, fingers point up. And as you shrug your shoulders back, push out with your shoulders, your friend is going to stand behind you and hold on to the upper arm muscles and help you to find that action. <laughs> but you're going to hold the upper arms. Up. Hold. 
Another thing that's really interesting that happens is that when people put their hands down in front of them, it's like when you tell someone to take your feet frontal hip bone distance apart. For some reason, not men, but women always think their ass is really big. And so they step really wide, okay? So frontal hip bone distance is from the hip bones down, right? Okay, so let's talk about the same thing with our arms. If our hands are shoulder width apart, a lot of times people make their hands too close together. I almost cue as a teacher when I'm teaching classes to take the pinkies to the sides of the mat. Because if your wrists are starting to get injured, that means that you're pinching in your neck and you're pinching in the nerves in your neck, so your shoulders are too not able to go wide. And that's why I wanted you to feel that sensation of having pushing out with your shoulders, because there's a broadening of your heart. Your hands are an expression of your heart. And we want to keep that open awareness. We want to keep the heart held high, the shoulders broad, there's no valley in your shoulders, and it's all included with the idea of dumping into your hands. hard. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, like any text that we come to together as a group, we can talk about every pose in this one text because it's all interconnected. But if we teach and cue modifications on up and we cue from the breath, then your students won't walk away with an injury in their hands. What I would love to do is take a really quick um, time, just like what we did, kind of um, finding broadness in the shoulders as we open our hearts, and I want you to cue your friend how to place their hands on the mat. Cool? So let's take a little um, uh, break and uh, give each one of you time to teach your friend how to do it, and I will sit up here if anybody needs anything, and... Uh, Ready, set, find a friend. Maybe even, maybe even a new friend. It was hard to uh, uh, teach and instruct it to a friend. Yeah, lots to look at. That was just one student. Yeah, imagine a whole room of people. A whole crap ton of people. Um, at first, when you all teach, and don't get like overwhelmed, but at first when you all start teaching, you're going to see just blobs. And then you might start seeing humans. And then all of a sudden you'll see individual people. And then you'll start to kind of get it, right? But it's from experience, so don't start judging yourself just from this one little experience of how to communicate in words, how to place your hands. I did have a good question, though, um, that I wanted to just discuss while you guys were working together. Um, some people noticed that when they place their palms down, and we're not, this isn't an arm tech, but let's just talk about this, bless you, for a second. The eyeballs and the elbows in a perfect world, right, and there's no such thing as a perfect world, should face to the outside of the room. But if you have a student that's hypermobile, or you have a student that just um, isn't... Um, you know, able to do that, that's totally fine. You have to work with, with everybody's skeleton, okay? The most important thing is middle finger points forward, triads of the hands are spread out wide, and that you are not slumping in the shoulders or have your shoulders too close to the ears but, and dumping, but that you're allowing yourself to um, 
use the breath to support everything that you're doing with your hands. Um, our hands, like we discussed today, do really cool things. Uh, the mudras for healing benefits uh, help you change your body using those little pulse sensors which trigger um, the processes and healing can begin. Um, we did qigong. We did, uh, we talked a little bit about reflexology and other modalities like marma points and energy points that are in our hands that can heal. We talked about how to stretch out our hands um, and do different techniques that you don't just have to teach vinyasa or a flow class or a hatha class, but you can also stretch people out a little bit. And if most people misalign and get injured, your ultimate goal as a teacher is to find useful ways for them to be grounded on the mat. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. Your hands um, are the nearest relatives to apes because apes also have thumbs like ours and our thumbs can work with each of our fingers including the smallest finger and our ring finger so it can do many more complicated things than our animal relatives. Our thumbs also, with the mudra of Anjali Mudra, allow us to really kind of um, show that the light in me honors the light in you. So as I bring my hands in front of my heart, I want to say to all of you, you are going to be amazing teachers and beacons of bright light. Teach from experience and have a really, really fun time with whatever you do on your yoga path. Mm -hmm. Namaste. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.